Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Linda Wiley. I'm here today on behalf of Diva Magazine with Emily Bridges. Emily, if you could uh, introduce yourself, that would be wonderful. Hi, I'm Emily Bridges. I'm 21 years old and an international cyclist, kind of an international cyclist. I don't know how you describe it, considering what's been going on. I am one of the, one of the trans women in sports, as, as is quite um, a current topic. You've had lots of interviews requested, so... Uh, Will you tell me why you chose Diva magazine? And I hope you're going to say something positive about us. <laughs> um, I just thought it'd be a positive space to kind of tell my story. Um, something that's obviously LGBT inclusive. I just feel like a lot of other places have got like an outside agenda. And I just feel like this will be the best way to tell my story. Well, thank you for trusting us. And uh, you can trust us just uh, so you know. So we'll start, we'll start with cycling. Growing up, how did you get into sports? So my mum was a um, former Great Britain long jumper, so it's always been kind of a family thing to be quite sporty. I, was, I would always enjoyed sports in school, um, but I was never really that good at it because my feet were a bit weird, so running and stuff like that was always kind of out of the question. So the options were cycling or swimming. There just happened to be a cycle speedway track um, in Newport, so we went to that, had a great time, and then because that was right next to the velodrome. We always used to go in to the velodrome after our, after our sessions, um, and it just looked so so great, like how steep the track was and how fast people were going. It just looked like, oh, I have to try this. I did like a taste session in November 2011, I think, um, and then I was just like instantly hooked. I just was like, wow, I have to, I, I want to keep doing this. I just want to, yeah, this, this is so much fun. And then I started racing that summer after the Olympics, um, which was like incredible watching all of like the world's best athletes on TV and being it being a home games, it was like so incredible. Just snowboard from there. Is, is there one defining moment when you thought, well, I want to be an athlete or was it just always there? It's kind of, all, it was always there since I was like 11 and just the level kept getting higher and higher. Like the first, first few races I wasn't very good and then something just clicked and I was like and I won a few national level races and then I was doing that for kind of four years just in the or two years just in the UK and then um, we went out to Belgium and we were cycling for a few races which is like incredible just like the standard was so high that was an under 16s kind of a few results followed and then I got into the British Junior Academy um, so it's like a national level squad and then proper international um, opportunities came my way and I did like world two, um, two world championships. Yeah, it was just incredible. Like so many great places I saw. And what do you, what do you love about cycling? 
a lot of it for me is just kind of the freedom when you're out training and it's so liberating. A lot of it just when you're on your own and you're just kind of in nature and just allowing your thoughts to just kind of flow and it's it's strangely meditative. So can you can you describe a typical day in your life as a professional athlete, including your including your training uh, regime? So I try to keep some kind of structure in in my life. On the academy, we we're, we're told like, oh yeah, you have to get out and train um, at nine thirty every day just for a bit of discipline. Um, maybe that's waned a bit since I left the left the academy. But it would be up at like half eight, have breakfast, um, which is usually like some kind of oat based meal, like virtual. If I'm doing a road ride, it will be out at 9.30 for um, a few hours, maybe with some efforts. Come back, wash my bike, because um, in the UK it can get quite quite muddy out on the roads. Chill for the rest of the day, it's not, it's not too taxing. When I'm at, um, at uni, I, I'll do a class in the afternoon, I'll go out in the morning and then um, I'll get the tram into uni. Or do class in the morning and then go out for a ride in the afternoon. It's, it's quite good training, like, it's really enjoyable. So what has been the highlight of your career so far? Summer 2019, I my first, na- first national um, title um, and got fourth in the World Championship, all whilst um, having a broken ankle, um, which I didn't know that I had. Somehow picked up a, like a stress fracture somewhere and it's just like, oh, this hurts, but it's not too bad, so I'm going to keep riding. Um, and then I had to have surgery, like, a few months later after coming out, getting back into racing and initially there was a lot of support but it's somewhat different now. <laughs> now We're now going to move on to coming out stories. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask this uh, in two parts and this is if you're comfortable mm-hmm. sharing it but Diva readers would love to hear about your personal coming out story yeah. and, and, your, and your journey with your identity. The first person that I came out to was my girlfriend at the time. I was having a lot of support from her and then I slowly came out to my to my sister and then to my dad and then to my mum. Um, I was really scared about my mum because she we, we didn't know how I, I didn't know how she was gonna be, how she was gonna react, so it was kind of I had a lot of anxiety around that. But um, luckily she's been incredibly supportive. Honestly like incredible so Yeah no that is great. I mean um I, I often talk about my coming out and I, I've had a conversation with your mum, she sent me mm-hmm. a lovely message and it's beautiful to see from a personal point of view. When I came out, my mum was like, get out, you know, yeah. you know, so uh, it's great to see uh, the support that you get. You know, coming out personally, this all the journey, you, mm-hmm. that's one part of the journey, but um, can you describe the moment when you knew that you were publicly ready to come out as trans? The way I decided when to publicly come out as trans um, is because because I've been in quite high level in sport before um, I knew that if I was just to con- just come out at uni um, not not do anything public just live my life as I was I thought there would be quite a high likelihood that it would get back to the cycling industry and then get to the mainstream media and I feel like they would have reported on it as they do I wanted to control the narrative um, and just tell my story in, in my own way, kind of preempt anything. So I chose um, coming out day on October the 11th to do that, which was probably a bit early. I think I, I did the right thing in doing it then. So. 
And did you feel like uh, you had the support of any like organisations or any kind of professional support around that time? I had a lot of support from sports media LGBT with John Holmes, LGBT Sports Cymru, some other LGBT sports organisations, which was really great. Like Beth was great as well, Beth Fisher. Um, kind of got in contact with her and it's just like, there was so much support from her. I did an interview with her on ITV Wales, the company that the written piece that I did in Sky Sports. A lot of support from, from inside the community. Fantastic. And, and knowing what you know now, um, this is quite a difficult question, uh, but knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time uh, to your past self, is there any advice you would give? Maybe just keep going, like things will, will get better, you'll get through the early phase of, of transition, because um, it, it is difficult, the early phase, um, and you'll get through it. And there are people out there that's, that are going to support you, so. and you'll meet some incredible people along the journey. Transitioning um, has had a, a quite drastic uh, effect on your public life mm-hmm. uh, as an athlete. How did this effect impact on your personal life and sports career before all the public attention? I mean, a lot of when I was early transition, like the first few months, um, was during the second and third COVID lockdowns. Obviously dealing with being pretty isolated during lockdown and now being out, but still not really being out because I couldn't go anywhere. So that was somewhat difficult. It was about probably six months after I came up before I actually went back into a sporting environment, at least four or five months before I went back into a sporting environment after coming out. And I was super anxious about that. Luckily, uh, Welsh Cycling were pretty supportive around me. And then for the first year, whilst I was still competing with the men, because obviously there's eligibility rules, so I had to follow them for whilst I was still early on hormones. It was okay. Obviously, I was, like my, my performance was dropping off already just from uh, being on hormones for a few months, so I was getting slower. And it was tough, and it was the wrong category for me, but I just like, I have to keep doing this, I have to keep my skills sharp. So, so what was it like um, having to compete uh, in the men's category after publicly transitioning? I mean, did you have any say in that, or did you just have to? If I wanted to race um, before 12 months, four months had been up, um, I had to race in the men's, basically. That was, that's the rules that that exist, that previously existed in the UK and internationally for cycling. I could have just not ridden, which is probably would have been be- somewhat better for my mental health and just like for affirming my, my identity. I knew that I had, had relatively big goals for this year, and so I wanted to just keep myself sharp and a lot of cycling is so tactical and skill-based, like I had to um, keep practicing those skills in a racing environment. On reflection, if you had a choice and you were on the committee making the rules, if there's anything that you could change to make this a better world, is there anything specifically you would change? Um, I think there needs to be a lot of discussion around grass grassroots um, inclusion of trans people in sport. I don't feel like it's a hundred percent necessary to have all of these um, all this gatekeeping in, in grassroots sport. Um, I feel like inclusion should be more important when. The rules are written, there's a lot of very cold and medical language being used and it's quite dehumanising in some of the way that a lot of the older guidelines are written. But I know that a lot of work has gone into the elite level rules and um, I kind of agreed to a lot of them to some extent. So.
I noticed you said earlier about other athletes, and I think I've read some stuff that you've got a lot of support from other athletes mm-hmm. as well, you know, yeah. and uh, do you think that that's been sort of coming out enough when you read, you know, mainstream media? And do, do you feel that that's been discussed or did the actual support? Because sometimes you tend to focus on the negative, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it has been. I mean, all that's focused on is those that are opposing my participation rather than the people who agree with me being there or don't really care yeah like it's all about these people don't don't want her there it's like i think just a lot of people just don't know what to say that they don't really know what to think about it i've seen some very nice comments from people that you've raced against and Mm -hmm. you know these are the people you're actually racing and their their opinion really matters but i feel that it's kind of buried as well yeah definitely my person mm-hmm. pick up and all yeah I, I know that a lot of the the uk um, mainstream media does kind of they they focus a lot on the negatives just in the way they are and a lot of the the demographics that go into mainstream journalism does kind of i feel like it lends itself to being more gender critical or being a bit of a turf so it doesn't surprise me that this is how it's been focused on so part diva Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Part Diva. Since uh, coming out publicly, have you received um, any positive messages from members of the LGBTQI community or our allies and if so, what sort of things have they said, you know, to focus on the positive? I've had, I've had a lot of support from um, people like within the community just because they understand what's been going through. And lots of people saying, you're such an inspiration. A few people saying, like, oh, you've really helped me kind of go through my own battles. And it's been really nice. The problem with cycling is cycling is still dominated by 
cishet white men is difficult and within sport in general there are fewer people from the LGBT community so but from those that I've been in contact with they've been really supportive. Personally, me, I don't know if you see and I see, I get a lot of criticism, particularly from cis lesbians, because mm-hmm. that's how I identify. I mean, my personal thing is people always come up to me and they just say, I don't know how you cope, because they really do go for you. I mean, yeah. I tend to not read into it. I'm not digging into this, because yeah. I know the mental sort of draining energy it takes for me. Do you, do you tend to read into it all or do you, do you manage to block it all out? Over the past few weeks I've just blocked it all out. Of, um, there's like two weeks where I just completely deleted all my social media just because I knew that it was just going to be too intense because it was just well, like wall-to-wall articles all the time and it was just like, I don't want to deal with this. I just want to... I, I, I just need to take a break from everything. There's just so much kind of hate and criticism that I just, I don't look at it. Obviously I know it's happening um, and I try to have that drive me a bit, but that's easier said than done. So. And would you like to see more vocal support from LGBT organisations? You know, do you think that there's more they could be doing to support you? I do think that LGBT organisations, especially women's sport, are doing a lot. They're, they're being very supportive. I don't really know how much more they could do. I still feel like they have quite a quiet voice compared to the very loud people who are shouting about it at the moment. So. But you think that they're actually doing a great job as much as their capacity, basically? I think so, yeah. That's, that's I, I think there is, a, there is a need for an organisation in the UK... Um, which kind of acts as a, a lobby for trans people in sport because I know that there's a few over in America, um, but there, there isn't really anything specific in the UK. Is it Richard that runs that LGBT? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they're, they've done incredible work and they've kind of acted as a bit of a proxy for um, a trans sport, sport organisation. You feel like they would be, be better off an actual trans? Yes. Or, yeah. yeah, just a bit more specificity because I know that I don't want all of their resources to go into this because there's other, there's obviously other um, kind of necessary things that need to be talked about within cycling. Somebody like Caitlyn Jenner has been very vocal as a trans woman and quite anti. Is it harder to talk against somebody like, not the same situation, but as an athlete and is trans and, and is speaking out like that? With Caitlyn Jenner, she, she knows what she's doing. She's pandering to um, a right-wing Republican kind of American crowd. She's got an agenda that she's trying to push from that right-wing, well, that far-right Republican kind of Fox News thing that is America, because at the end of the day, she's got a lot of privilege and she wants to keep that privilege and keep the political system that exists over there still functioning. Um, so she's going to punch down on other trans people because that's how, that's how they maintain, maintain power over there. What do you think needs to be done in order to make sports and cycling in particular more inclusive? There needs to be more positive voices and more education. I feel like people are they're constructing opinions off of not the whole story. The inclusion of more positive voices and more evidence around this, like... The more studies that are done, the more concrete evidence there'll be. From what I've seen from my own transition and the data I've got, I don't see it supporting anything other than the current rules that exist. Um, for inclusion, sport is sport acts as a microcosm to the rest of society. So, with the 
patriarchal structure that exists in the rest of society that is I feel like that's intensified in sport there have been some women in sport who have said they refused to compete with you but have there been any fellow female athletes who have stood up for you and showed solidarity yes yeah I've had a, I've had a few messages from from fellow competitors saying like listen I, I know you're seeing all of this but there are people that are are on your side um, within these organisations and within cycling. People, I feel like a lot of people don't know what to say because it's just been such a rubbish situation. People mm. can say they're gonna kind of boycott, but I'm not going anywhere. And what are your thoughts on the transphobia we've seen so in so much of the British press mainstream right now? I feel a lot of it's driven by the way it is run. So there is a lot more. There's more right wing press in the UK than, than there is left-wing and even in left-wing organisations the kind of demographic of journalists do tend to be white middle-class people so and that there is a lot of overlap between people who are TERFs and people who are journalists. In, in, in right-wing British media it's, it's not surprising at all like like Daily Mail and that it's just like what a surprise. Um, it's, it, it is disappointing, but it doesn't come as a surprise from people of a certain age who are white and middle class. It's like, that's the demographic, so... Yeah, it doesn't surprise yeah. me, but there are some positive voices out there. A few weeks ago there were some... I think last week there were some positive articles. Um, strangely in Telegraph, which is a bit weird, but they tend to be somewhat good in women's sport, so... You expect it to be bad, so when there is a good article, it is surprising, but it's also very welcome, so... From my point of view, and this is what I, I speak about a lot as well, and I, and I will say this, and I, I hope this will give you hope, because a lot of the narrative that I see around the trans community, mm. I used to see in the 70s yeah. against lesbians. For example, Martina Navratilova, lesbians in tennis. Yeah. They used to say lesbians shouldn't compete against uh, straight women because they're so much stronger. So it's really bizarre. The same thing for me talk about this a lot, going into the toilet still happens now. People would go and get their boyfriends and think I might attack them, you know, because I'm uh, masculine presenting. So the society has moved on from sort of attacking lesbians and gone on to the trans community. But I really feel about what's happening because it happened to me. But I like to look on the positive and I can only say that doesn't happen so much anymore. And, you know, hopefully that narrative will change with the trans community yeah, as well. I hope so too. Um, but when you compare it to that, it's just, uh, you laugh when you hear stuff <laughs> like that, and I hope that one day in 30 years' time, and it seems a long time away, but it's not that long, trust me, that yeah. people will laugh when we talk about that actually happened as I mean, well to you. It's it, We're just the current punching bag that populist movements like to go, go for, so we are at the moment who the, the culture war is against yeah years ago it was immigrants now it's trans people it's just like they, yeah. they need to find someone to to go against so that's the, the whole point of these populist movements but it's hard to process that in your mind as well when yeah. you're in the midst of it as well exactly. like if somebody had told me 30 years ago lesbians be in love you know actors would become i'd be i would have laughed at them you yeah know? <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the point on British Cycling and um, UCI. Last month, British Cycling and UCI decided that you were not eligible to compete in an event. I think I think they actually just changed their rules, right? From the way I understand it, there was the British Cycling rules hadn't been constructed in a manner which meant that the UCI rules were being followed for 
national championship events. Um, so it meant I could enter and potentially race the national championships without actually being able to because the national championships are technically run on the um, international rules. That was flagged to British Cycling by the UCI, who then obviously prevented my, uh, my participation. So it's kind of an oversight from all parties. And, and the reason it happened so late in the day is because they're all such slow-moving organisations that there's so much bureaucracy and just they're just bad at communication. So how did you hear the news and, and how did it make you feel? On, on the Wednesday before I was supposed to race. I was supposed to race on Saturday, so it was, okay. it was a few days before. Obviously everything was kicking off saying like, oh, she's going to race and it's going to be like, she's going to beat Laura Kenny, like... I don't know why they're thinking that. Like, I wasn't going that well. Uh, it's just like, they automatically think I'm going to beat a multiple Olympic champion just because I'm trans. Like, it's crazy. Um, I got an email from the person I, I've been liaising with, with at British Cycling, um, basically saying we need an urgent meeting. We thought, yeah, they're going to stop me from racing. And obviously they did. They are just like, yeah, the UCI have told us this, but it was just a kind of a video call saying, you see I've gone over a head saying you can't race and it's just like obviously awful to be told so close to the event and on the back of everything else because we knew it would just create more like furore in the media it just blew everything up even more because this is your life really isn't yeah. it like I mean so how did it make you feel did you, did you want to challenge it and we tried to challenge it to the best of our abilities but it's just like when when the UCI have said like no these are the rules there's not really much you can do because they're like that's how it is so difficult isn't it yeah it's just it was really just disappointing just so much happening it was just everything was just caught up in the whirlwind and the stress that of everything that was going on so you mentioned laura penny earlier i mean has she been supportive any messages or just quiet i think the british cycling team have been told to not do anything um kate archibald she put out a statement a few weeks ago. It was said that Laura Kenny, Laura Kenny supported that as well. She supported the statement by Katie Archibald. Okay. Um, so it was a relatively positive statement, just kind of say, saying how poorly I've been treated by, by everyone, by British Cycling, by the UCI and by the media. It was a relatively good statement, but it did also just challenge the fairness of trans people competing in sport. Did she talk to you about before she put that statement um, out? Kate Archibald messaged me, yeah. That was, that was at least nice to have something. But apart from that, I've heard nothing from any of them, so, which is, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, well, I know some of them, but I don't know most of them, so it's not expected, but. I just want to thank you, because I know this is really difficult yeah. uh, to, to talk about as well. I can't really imagine uh, how it must be. Your mother recently publicly defended you. What is your relationship with her like? It's good, she's, um, very very active um, and she just she does whatever she can to just to support me and support other trans people because it's what's right to do she's got a lot of energy around around supporting me and she just wants to fight everything that she can so it's just it's so incredible that I've got her on this on my side things would be so much harder if I didn't have her because she's been just been incredible so how have you been looking after your your mental health during these difficult times have you taking time for yourself um it's it's been a lot, it's been a struggle. So I've just been kind of trying to take each day by day and just get through, get through the day and try and get to the other side because there's been some pretty dark times. 
um, but it's just a lot of distraction, just trying to keep some hope in my life for what's going forward. So, so uh, you have had such a hard time recently, um, but has there been anything that's been bringing you hope or joy? I mean, hopefully I'll be able to do a few events in the summer. Whatever happens, whatever happens with British Cycling, whatever happens with the UCI, I think that there are some races that I can do. There are some races that aren't governed by, by those governing bodies. Knowing that things are going to get better, or just have to, I have to say that things are going to get better because I have to believe that. So, yeah. Looking to the future, what would you say is your current mission in life, and what keeps you motivated? I want to make the world a better place. I want to help people. I want to inspire people, um, and just help people through their journey to be who they are. Try and act as a bit of a role model to people. And just bring good to the world because more needs to be done in a lot of areas. Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva, queers for your ears, in association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA women and non binary people. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Share the love by leaving us a review. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. Pod Diva. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.